Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, obviously there's not going to be enough or even too much discussion about the aftermath of the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, others, and they're bound to be even more as we've been saying, we're not only in the midst of a pandemic, but we're in the midst of a police-demic uh, or an armed vigilante-demic, if you will. I want to talk about that and another effort, movement, organization working to address some of this. Organization is what we need. So we're, we're happy to talk to organizers uh, and mobilizers around this issue. My guest today, was previously the campaign director of the Refund America Project and worked as the Wall Street Accountability and Housing Justice Campaigner at the Center for Popular Democracy. Even before that, he serves on the Advisory Council of Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity, BOLD. He's a graduate of Swarthmore. Right now, though, he works with community organizations and labor unions on campaigns to go on offense against Wall Street to beat back their destruction of communities of color. And what does that have to do with all that we're seeing right now? We're going to get into that with the co-executive director 
of the Action Center on Race and the Economy, ACRE, the co-executive director, Maurice BP Weeks. Maurice, bless your brother. Welcome to Make It Plain. How are you, man? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. First, let me ask you, are your family and loved ones healthy and, and safe in this pandemic? Uh, yes, thankfully, I'm blessed to say that, that my family is safe. And uh, my sister is, a, is actually a doctor in Boston, and mm. she's had to deal with a couple of COVID patients, but so far, uh, she's safe as well. So um, couldn't be more happy about that. That's good to know. And, and you, you're in Detroit, correct? I am, yes. I, I want to just address that first. So in, in Detroit, we know... I mean, like all of our black urban communities, all our black communities for that matter, you know, there's been, it's been a bit harsh and, and disproportionate, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, so I actually, I've, I've lived in Detroit for a little while now, and I live uh, in a neighborhood that is particularly elderly. Um, Detroit in general is a very black city and a very old city. Um, and about a block away from me are a bunch of senior uh, citizen homes. And we know that you know, this virus uh, impacts old folks and black folks at a disproportionate level. So there was a little while where we were hearing ambulances pretty much nonstop, but um, it started to, to calm down a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, folks are taking this seriously, which I think is, I think is important. Um, so let me ask you this, the intersection of the pandemic and the police-demic, are, are there concerns in your community about the demonstrations, and even though we need the demonstrations, the risk of exposure to COVID while we're out in these streets. Is, is there just anybody concerned or talking about that too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think most of the activists who are, who are going out are even concerned about it. And, you know, there's been a lot of focus on making sure people have masks. And if you see somebody at the protest without a mask, making sure that they put one on. And um, obviously, the social distancing uh, can't really be uh, enforced too much at, at a march. But, you know, for me, when I think about it, it, it just shows how passionate people are that, you know, we, we know how dangerous this virus is. And the need for change is so great that all of these people are actually willing to sacrifice their health to make sure that we, we get the change that we need. So, you know, in some ways, it's, it's really inspiring to me to see so many people coming out to these, to these actions and marches. And I'll be honest with you, Maurice, I, I think white folks especially should do that. I oh, think absolutely, yeah. It's going to take some of them, and I've said this, you know, it's going to take some of them putting their bodies in between the police and us. I mean, if you really give a damn about us, that's ultimately, unfortunately, what it's going to have to take. I mean, they're going to have to learn uh, king in the king in principles of nonviolent confrontation quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at this country and you know, all the anti-blackness that's in, in the history, we know that um, you know, one of the ways that, that people can really be a good ally, um, which I, don't, I, I like co-conspirator a little bit more than ally because it shows that you're really at my side, but you know, one of the ways to, to be a good ally is, is really doing exactly what you're saying, just like you know, putting, putting yourself on, on the line as well. Um, and it's just a little taste of what, uh, what we have to go through every single day. You know, I, I don't really have a choice of whether I'm on the front lines of the police or not. Um, so yeah, I think you're totally right. Tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, the, the ACRE, the Action Center for Race and the Economy, and what you guys do. Yeah, so we're uh, what you call a campaign organization. So, you know, I came up as a community organizer. Um, and uh, for example, I worked during the last housing crisis with 
black and brown families that were losing their homes, getting them to fight back against uh, banks when they were losing their homes illegally for the most part. Um, and uh, so now we do work that uh, supports those types of organizations through, uh, you know, strategy to help them run better campaigns or, or community building efforts, um, as well as research and then just pulling things together at, at a national level. Um, so that's a little bit about what we do and we're laser focused on making sure that racial justice is at the center of everything that we're doing. So we're not interested in race blind economic justice solutions um, because we know that that doesn't get you very far in this in this country and all the problems that we have. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about a little bit about Acre. Um, tell us you all the lane that you're all kind of operating in in this in this police demic right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, right before all of these uprisings launched again, um, you know, we were, we were in a lane about to talk about how communities of color, specifically black communities, were about to get cut during the recession. Now, it's that on top of the fact that we're uh, in a situation where police budgets across the country take up such a significant proportion of budgets that folks are gonna feel those cuts on top of the police demic that you're saying, on top of all the police violence that's in their communities. So we're doing a tremendous amount of, of research and support of folks on the ground to um, help them understand sort of how the budget system works, the ways that it's designed to uh, extract money from black folks and uh, the ways that uh, police basically get whatever they want in a, in a budgeting process and have, have bloated budgets. Um, and then most importantly, you know, what can we do about that? What are some strategies? What are our demands to make sure that we change the way that, that budgets look in this country? And obviously there's conversations about budgets and from budget reform for police all the way to defunding. That's right. Can you give us a little bit more of a glimpse, especially, and this is where the, the pandemic and the police demic, police demic probably intersect, about how uh, budget cuts and whatnot um, are impacting the those who are victims of COVID or those who are susceptible to COVID. Yeah. And, so, and yet the police, the police, I mean, we haven't heard any stories about the police budget being affected by COVID. Yeah. Not, so help me. <laughs> That's totally right. I mean, you know, we can go back to the last recession where like folks were you can name the department in your city or state and it was cut by a certain percentage. And right. the department that didn't get cut by the same percentage is almost always the police. So the police almost never get cut by as much, if they get cut at all, it's never as much as anything else. So when you put on top of that, a public health crisis and think about the things that are getting cut right now, things like uh, you know, public transportation um, or uh, transportation for the elderly or disabled, things that people need to get actually to the doctor, um, other health services, other like community infrastructure that gets people clean water, et cetera, et cetera. Put that on top of a, of a pandemic that spread, uh, that spread so virally, um, you really have an enormous, enormous problem. Um, and you're right, the police, talking about cutting police budgets is, is, seems to never be on the table, but luckily um, with the campaigns that folks are running around defunding the police, uh, it is coming back to the forefront. So I'm gonna do something right now. Tell me if, if you thought of this before I did. Because uh, I'm looking at one of your campaigns, right? Uh, defund the police, refund America. That's right. Refund America project. Did, did, did you think of that before I did? 
<laughs> it has been popping into my mind a lot these past few days. Yeah, we, we launched Refund to talk about, you know, all the money that's extracted out of Black America in lots of different ways. And um, this is exactly one of, one of the ways, right? So if we defund the police, you know, we're not just saying cut their budgets by 10%. That money actually can go to services that really affect folks like us. Um, so yeah, that's, that's for, definitely for example, People understand what services, Maurice. Yeah, um, so you know, in pick, pick your city that you're in, you almost definitely have seen cuts to things like libraries or uh, your roads infrastructure. I know here in Detroit, uh, we get, I get a flat tire once every six months because our roads are so bad. Mm. Uh, or um, you know, our parks or our schools. Um, so things like, you know, when you, when you come to a city that is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on the police, sometimes up to 60, 65% of their city's budget on the police, you can just start to imagine how much better our schools would look if some of that money went towards the schools. The police are almost always the largest budget item for, for a municipality. Um, so, you know, any service that, that is provided by the public, we could be funding at a level that's actually adequate. And we could be providing way more services too. I know one thing that folks are, um, are, especially folks who are essential workers are struggling with in this moment is childcare. Well, wouldn't it be great if uh, you know, childcare workers were, were paid fairly and the state helped fund that? We can't do that if we have these uh, bloated police budgets the way that they are. So um, you know, there's, there's sort of a myriad of things that, that you could imagine funding uh, if you were able to cut some of these funds. So yeah, you ought to, I think you ought to work, work that one, brother. Defund the police, refund America. You ought to work with that one, doctor. That, 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 that flows. All right. If you see it on a poster now, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you credit. I'll give you tagline. No, you don't even do that, man. I, I don't even ask for that. You just, you, that's yours. I'm giving that one to <laughs> Y'all need to work that. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, Maurice. Some people are confused about defund. Yeah. They, they don't know that. So to be honest with you, our community is kind of split on that. Because some people don't, they, they just hear defund, but they don't see, they just see some people saying, well, let's just get rid of the police. But they don't see where that money could be going on the front end to negate some of the things the police do in the first place. That's right, yeah. So I, I, think, I think you got to do that, man. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, like, and when you look at the things that, I think you're absolutely right that, you know, for a lot of us, I know I grew up in Newark, New Jersey, and one of my first interactions with the government at all, one of the only interactions that I had when I was growing up there was with the police, right? Like that's the service that you have a, a, a front line view of. Right. Um, and a lot of our communities are, you know, there's, there are problems that we wish that there was someone that we could call to solve them. And the, for right now, the, the police are it. So when you hear, we're gonna uh, totally defund the police, that worries, um, that worries some in our community. I think that's something we need to be real about. Right. And right. also, you know, looking at the images from some of the cities that have had uprisings in the past, uh, not just the past few months, but the past years really. And you see tanks, multiple tanks on the street. You see right. officers dressed up like they're in the middle of Baghdad. You see helicopters flying over the city 24 seven. These are things that cost tens of millions of dollars. And I don't think that you could find a lot of people that would say ahead of time, yeah, we need a tank for Detroit. We need the police should own a, a you know, a bomb proof tank. Right. Um, and right. then even if you think of some of the services that the police are supposed to offer, they often don't do those very well. So, you know, I, I talked to my sisters who have, uh, have been victims of various types of assault and sexual assault. 
the police are horrible at solving those those crimes, right? That's one of the things you always hear about. If we get if we reduce the number of police, well, what about sexual assault victims? They have a horrible record in solving sexual assaults. No, so, no matter, yeah. right, 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 right. So what we need is um, to invest in systems that, like you're saying, on the front end, stop these problems from happening. Um, so that when we, uh, you know, we're we're not talking about turning our communities into war zones. We're talking about actually solving that um, by funding the programs that matter. Well, and, and I give you, I give you another good example. I think, and and our people do this too often. Black folk. There's a, a relative in the home with mental health issues, and then when that person is going through whatever type of episode or downfall, call the police. That's right. And then the police show up and kill that person. That's right. That's that happens. Right. And I'll be honest with you, that doesn't just happen in our community. That happens to white folks. It happens to uh, Native Americans, brown people. See, so if you're taking that money, why doesn't something, there ought to be something else we can call. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that. that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I mean, like, like when you. Kill my child. Well, what, why you call the police? <laughs> Right, right. I mean, they're, they're, I understand when people do that because, you know, those situations are often us as just individual family members aren't equipped to deal with that. You know, but there are professions that are equipped to deal with that. Let's fund those to make sure that, like, in, in an emergency, there's someone to call. I think the same thing is true of, uh, you know, if a, if a fire happens, whenever the firefighters show up, the police show up too. So, you know, and they'll often make an arrest of something that is really, really petty or small. And, you know, you were just calling to put the fire out. And now somebody who lives in the house is, un is under arrest. It's totally unnecessary. There are ways that we can fix that. Um, and, you know, defunding the police is the first step. D domestic disputes, especially when they don't involve violence or extreme violence, the police don't do nothing. I mean, they arrest That's somebody right. and then they go to jail and then that person comes back the house next day. So what is that? But but the other thing, too, and I think this is where the challenge comes in, and I think that's where I recommend the work you offer makes a difference, because there's still in our community, it's a double-edged sword. The police kill us, but they also allow us to be killed. You know, we you know, you remind people of the song, 911 is a joke. So mm -hmm. when something does happen, when we need police service or law enforcement, no, we don't care about that. You know, it's, it's like nothing happens. I'm not going to solve, like you said, well, you robbed sexual assault in a Me Too era, uh, they don't do nothing. If, if, uh, uh, if, if someone looks like you and me, the same person, all right, and, and commits a crime against one of us, forget about it. Yeah, I think people, people will watch uh, police television shows and get this idea that you know, every cop is, is tracking down clues and talking to 10 witnesses and you know, they've got a board in their office connecting people. And uh, that is not how it works, especially for our community. So, you know, they, we've heard from, from police in several cities, they don't come unless there's a gun at the scene. And sometimes they don't come then either. So, you know, that's not really the service that they advertise. Um, and uh, they're just other ways to solve our community's problems than to throwing lots of money into a militarized police force. Right. And, and you talked about the, the militarism. Um, we're men. And I say to people all the time, you see, men have to speak about men in the context that we know each other. Those are toys. They are phallic. You know, let's just be honest. And, and that speak, which says a whole other thing. You're already on the police department. You got a badge and a gun. But your self-esteem still 
requires a military toy. So then we got to even talk about what type of, of mental health evaluation is going on with officers who still are not fulfilled enough in their own self-esteem and manhood that they got to ride around town in tanks and, and do all that kind of stuff. So, so that's another thing. Um, the, the, the refund America, uh, uh, project. I mean, we're also talking about lingering, um, effects of the recession and the housing crisis. I mean, we don't talk about that anymore, but, but people are still, uh, um, not fully made whole from that either of those experiences, correct? Oh, that's, I mean, absolutely right. And it's one of the things that I, that I think uh, keeps me up at night as someone who thinks a lot about housing in particular in this country, you know, in, in the month of uh, uh, April and May, there were close to uh, between a third and half of the people in the country didn't pay rent. Yeah. We know that our folks are more likely to not pay rent or to, to be renters than other folks. So that's a, that's a lot of black folks who didn't pay rent. Now, there is an eviction moratorium in a lot of places and uh, one at the national level, too. Those are all expiring soon. So, you know, I'm just fast forwarding a couple of months to a situation where, you know, folks still maybe won't be at work or maybe there's no work for them to return to now based on the on the crisis and they still can't pay their rent. That $1,200 with the president's name on it is long gone. And, you know, what's going to happen? Evictions are going to happen. Um, and we might see a, a situation where just millions and millions of people are put out literally onto the streets um, amid, amidst a pandemic that will still be spreading. So, yeah, that's something that I, that I think about constantly. Um, uh, and again, you know, when we talk about things like uh, defunding the the police. There there are ways to to deal with all of those problems that I just laid out. You know, if if uh, states were able to give folks um, to to cancel rent for folks for this period where they can't find a job, then we wouldn't have to worry about and you know an upcoming huge eviction crisis. Um, but we're about to worry about a huge upcoming eviction crisis. So supposedly the greatest richest country in the world. That's right. All these other countries, man. It wasn't even a news story. It was just automatic. Okay, bills are paid. Absolutely. In places where you got leaders that look like Donald Trump, like uh, uh, Boris or whatever his name is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Boris. yeah, Boris Johnson. I mean, he looks, he's Donald Trump in the mirror, mini Trump, mini me. And still, it was like there was no national debate about whether or not we're going to pay people's bills. It was just like almost automatic. Yeah, yeah. But it happened before people even knew it. I mean, it was just, just nothing stopped. And we can't uh, uh, do that here. And see, what you're saying is also, because think about this. See, this is self-contradictory. Let me just run this by you. You evict people in the middle of a pandemic, which raises the number of homeless people. And then there are those who argue that homelessness helps to spread the disease. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, so, I mean, in this scenario, that this is why I said it keeps me up at night, right? So in this scenario where, you know, it's, it's so clear that homelessness uh, helps to spread the disease that several people tried to, you know, they took over hotels and, and a couple of cities did and put, put homeless folks in there just to try and tamp down the spread. So, you know, imagine a scenario where that, that's impossible, the, a scale in which that's impossible. So million, the millions and millions of people who didn't pay their rent all are going through eviction processes. 
yeah i i just can't i i really it does keep me up at night worrying about what what that will mean for our public health let alone all of those families that it will that it will destroy yeah yeah so folks um um the great work that the action center on race and the economy is doing we want you to to get involved folks can where can people go is it give us the website where people can go to find out more yeah absolutely uh, go to our website, uh, which is uh, acrecampaigns.org. Um, so A-C-R-E campaigns with an S.org. Um, and you can see uh, uh, ways to get in touch with us and also campaigns that we're, that we're working on. Um, and uh, as always, you know, the Movement for Black Lives website um, has a ton of information, both on the movement's response to this, uh, to the uprisings, as well as uh, COVID-19 and, and lots of other stuff. Uh, I, I like this other tab on the website. Pop in. That's cool. That's right. Yeah. We, if you don't, if you can't inform the public about things that are going on, then you know the the work isn't important. So, um, uh, yeah, that's a that's a really important part of of the stuff that we do as well. So I'll trade you defund the police, refund America for pop it. I want to use <laughs> it. <laughs> Got it. All right. That's a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, uh, uh, just curious, is there how much of a, I mean, you're right there in, in Detroit. Um, is the work you're doing and the the demands for change that you're advocating, are, are they being heard or taking hold right there in your own backyard? Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's a mix. I think there are a lot of people who are who are echoing um, who are echoing the demands uh, for you know both things around the coronavirus as well as uh, the recession that we're in, as well as uh, the uprisings that were that were going on. Um, and you know, Michigan's an interesting place. You got Detroit, which is the blackest city in the country, but we have a lot of suburbs around here that you will find the you know hardest of hardcore Donald Trump supporters. Um, and so much happens on the statewide level that, you know, we're, we're really handcuffed here at, at the local level. So, uh, and I know that's true in a lot of different states. So it's a, it's a real mix. It's a real mix of what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Acrecampaigns.org folks. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, our brother Maurice VP Weeks and the work that he's doing is critical in this conversation at this point. Um, and, um, uh, but before I forget, one other thing. So the, in terms of the rent cancellations and whatnot, do we have a sense of, uh, and I know that's first on your page, how many places where this is not available that we need to target? Is there any way of, of kind of keeping up with that or is it kind of a catch as catch can kind of a thing? Yeah, unfortunately, I would say, um, you know, nearly nearly everywhere so far has, has, uh, has, uh, hasn't taken the sufficient steps to stop a, an, an eviction crisis from upcoming. So mm. another website that I'll recommend for folks to just keep, keep, uh, keep in mind is uh, homesguarantee.com. And those folks uh, have been doing a lot of work to make sure that, that people can remain housed during this time and always, um, and uh, are gonna be crucial in what is going to really be huge fights? But, you know, if the police are coming and trying to drag people out of their apartments across the country, they're going to be huge. You talk about uprisings. There's going to be huge fights. So um, there's lots of work that's that's upcoming to do as those uh, eviction moratoriums expire in the next couple of months. And, and I know there's some there's conversations some communities are already having or at least planning rent strikes, aren't they? 
absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like there are, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of people on, on rent strike, um, even more on involuntary rent strike that we call it, you know, just cause they, they have no income right now. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a, a lot of political action coming up and, and, uh, lots of ways to engage for anyone who's looking to do that. What is lastly, what is wall street's culpability in the pandemic and or the police demic specifically? Yeah, one of the first things that I that I will tell people, you know, as as a as an economist, is uh, to follow the money, and then you can find where the evil is. So, if you look at all the struggle that's happening in our communities, um, it's really really dire. Uh, and then if you look at the stock market, just take a look at the S and P fifty or S and P one hundred or S and P five hundred. They're up higher than they were before the pandemic, right? So they're still making money. They've they've already figured out ways to make even more money during this. Um, so we need to stop. It's because that they, they are uh, extractive by nature and they're quickly adaptable. So, uh, you know, whenever there's a crisis like this, they figure out a way to pounce on it fast. That's why it's important to never take your eyes off of them so you can keep track of the, the you know, them picking our back pockets here, which is what's, what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Maurice, BP Weeks, folks. Uh, don't forget to go to Acre Campaigns. Dot org this acrecampaigns.org for the action center on race and the economy maurice pleasure to meet you brother appreciate the work you're doing it's very important work and i mean it, the hour is, is this is the moment where traditional same old same old leadership is going out the window and we need to hear more from brothers like you and organizations like yours um we need some some a fresh infusion of energy ideas and activism if not use. I say that at my own peril because I'm not that young anymore. But <laughs> uh, uh, but that's what we need. And so I appreciate what you're doing, brother. And anything that I can do or this broadcast can do to help promote the very important work that uh, Acre is doing, um, don't hesitate to ask. If, if I don't reach out to you, reach out to me. And, and I'm, I'm at your service, okay? Yeah, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. All right, Maurice, BP Weeks, folks. Don't forget, go to acrecampaigns.org. Get educated, get organized, get mobilized. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.